the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Ab, episode 645 for Sunday, February 19th, 2017. Uh, greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. The show where you send in your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found. We share them, we answer them, we discuss them, we dissect them. The goal is for every single one of us, me included, to learn at least four new things each and every time we get together here. Sponsors for this episode include Blue Apron, where you can get three of your first your first three meals for free uh, at blueapron.com slash mgg. Otherworld Computing, of course, the folks at MacSales.com. Excellent folks there. And Barebones Software, the makers of BB Edit at Barebones.com. Excellent folks, all of them. We will discuss the details of what it is we're talking to you for on their behalf about today in a moment. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. How goes it, Mr. F. Braun? Good. And, uh, and, uh, it's your day tomorrow. It's my day tomorrow, February 20th. Why Why is that? Well, I think it's a President's Day, right? Oh, right. That's right. Yes, and, that's right. And you're the president of at least one organization. Yeah. Yeah. So, Much uh, to my dismay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. President's Day. I'll make sure to uh, to be as presidential as possible tomorrow. So Outstanding. That'll, that'll be fun. All right, cool stuff found because we got uh, we've got I think four things on the on the cool stuff found list. The first is from Harvey, and he says, "I'm a bit behind in listening to MGG, and I'm just listening to episode 642. That's not that far behind, Harvey. Uh, where you had a discussion about shopping list apps. I'm not sure if anyone has mentioned this to you. The app that I use all the time is Google Keep." And part it's part of the Google apps collection. It works somewhat similar to Apple notes where you make a note and then share that note with anyone you want on any device. You might need a Gmail account to use Google apps, but those are free. What's neat about it is what's neat about using it for shopping is if you create a list and name it shopping list, as you try to enter items on the list, it will suggest shopping items to include. Let's say I want to add mayonnaise to my shopping list. When I type M milk, mushrooms, mayo, mozzarella, and meat pop up. I could choose mayo, or when I add the A, I get mayonnaise, mayo, mango, margarine, makeup. It's very useful. So, uh, and it's shareable and all of that stuff. So uh, he says you can check or uncheck items and delete things. So Google Keep, we will uh, we will put that on on the list. Good stuff, man. Very very cool. Right? Anything else to add? Uh, I feel like we've we've finally wow. come full circle on the shopping list thing. So it, it's a it's been a good discussion to have. I didn't even. Uh... I didn't even know about Google Keep. I know. Well, I hope they don't just when it becomes useful and people like it, kill it off <laughs> as Google is, uh, tends to do with some things. Some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Ask me why we haven't yet talked about Google Wi-Fi. So, um, but, uh, but we won't today. We will uh, maybe in the, the next show. Just, I finally got the answers to my questions about all that stuff. So we'll, we'll, I got about, I have to assemble them. It just came in. So anyway, uh, Mike has speaking of wireless mesh, Mike says, I discovered a rather inexpensive way to use Mocha to create a bunch of Wi-Fi access points to extend my network and make what I'll call a quasi mesh. 
He says uh, you can find used Fios routers on eBay for about 25 bucks, including shipping. He says, hint, find a refurbished seller and make an offer if you don't want to fool around with bidding. These Wi-Fi routers are built by Action Tech, who makes most Mocha adapters. And of course, they have built in Mocha. Get revision F of the MI424WR router, and that way you get Mocha 1.1 and BG and N Wi-Fi uh, and Rev1 to add gigabit Ethernet. Or you can get the current Quantum gateway the, gateway, the Greenwave G1100, to get Mocha 2, which is backwards compatible with one, and dual band AC Wi-Fi. So that's actually what I would go with is the Greenwave G1100 to do this, he says you can mix and match either of these three versions depending on your purpose. Uh, you just have to configure these as bridges, turn off DHCP and Wi-Fi, put them in bridge mode, uh, and then they become Mocha adapters with four Ethernet ports and Wi-Fi. He says if you don't already have a router already, use a Fios router as both a router and Mocha adapter using the WAN port and the Mocha coax port. Turn on the Wi-Fi on the remote adapters using the same SSID and password as your main Wi-Fi router. And they become wired Wi-Fi access points to extend your network into a quasi mesh. He says the downside is that these things are a little bit huge, but uh, what an interesting, I like this. I like this thinking of, uh, of going and getting some of these things. And it looks like, you know, these things, you can get them each of them for, you know, less than a hundred bucks. And they're not that huge. I mean, they're bigger than than like a little Eero unit or, or something like that. But, you know, they're they're like the size of a cable modem, let's say a large, yeah, yeah. a large cable modem. Yeah. Yeah. So fun stuff. I will put a, uh, a an uh, eBay search in the show notes that will point to um, the uh, some of these, you know, some of these things. So, yeah, fun stuff. Really fun stuff. Huh. I know it's pretty good, right? Well, first I was like, "Is it really a router, or is it just like a like a converter?" But no, I'm looking at it; it's a full blown router. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. surprised you can get it for twenty bucks. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I think you're probably going to wind up paying about sixty by the time all is said and done. Um, but but even still, you know, that, that's about what they look to be going for somewhere between sixty and ninety. I'm is, looking at it; and it looks. Uh, Pretty beefy. You may want to use it just as a router. A dual 464-bit uh, processor, 100 megabits per second, blah, 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 whatever. Oh, it's just 100? Are you, wait, which one are you looking at? Because the one I, the G1100 is, um, uh, I'm is looking at should the be one, gigabit. Oh, all right. No, I'm looking at the MI424WR. Yeah, okay, you're right. So that's the 802.11N one that he mentioned. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. I mean, you know, that, it's it. listen, the quasi-mesh thing, there is nothing inherently wrong with it. Um, especially if you've got a router that you really like and you just kind of want to build the mesh out. Um, I am curious along those lines though. Um, and I think I'm allowed to talk about this. Well, we're going to talk about it anyway, um, because they're sending me some and it should be out soon, but, uh, the, uh, um, uh, gosh, what's the name of the company? I wasn't prepared. Amplify who's made by ubiquity, right? They make a mesh wireless solution and they're, they, they're, Base station kind of is the one that looks like a clock radio and then their Wi-Fi, they call them mesh points, are just plugged directly into sockets and have like a little antenna sticking up from your socket and from your electrical socket. And that's it. So there's no Ethernet backbone with these. There's, of course, no Mocha backbone, but um, they are now positioning. And I think I've got a, a set of them on the way. They're positioning to sell the mesh points standalone that will build a mesh out of your existing Wi-Fi from your existing router. 
Now, obviously, there's not going to be the 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 same level of mesh intelligence and handoff and all that because the they're not like you know they're just like sort of glomming onto your existing router. But uh, but I like the concept. I haven't tested it yet, so don't go run out and buy these things even if you can. But uh, but it's pretty cool that you know Amplify is is doing this. Um, I like the the concept of a sort of a an add-on mesh, if you will, because it seems like a lot of the limitation that we're running into with, with mesh products is that they build, they prioritize building the mesh, which is good, but as routers, they're like, you know, most of them are just okay. Like the Eero is actually is really robust. Um, but you know, kind of the rest of them, you know, they're, they're getting there, but if you've got a great router and you could add a mesh to it, that really does what mesh, I mean, really the best, scenario and this is it's totally decadent to do but actually we have a, a couple of listeners that have done it is the synology rt 2600 ac as a router just as a router and then eero in bridge mode just as a mesh that's like you know best of all the worlds it's kind of you know it's not cheap but hey so there we go fun stuff a little bit of caffeine is going a long way for me this morning john can you tell? Yeah, I ran out of coffee, so I'm on uh, English tea right now. Mm. Yeah, I don't do coffee, but uh, I did go with the, um, I don't know if it's caffeine or, or matine in the Celestial Seasonings Morning Thunder. I think it's a little bit of both, but it's got some mm. latte in it. Yeah. All right. Um, one of my favorite things that I found at CES that I wasn't allowed to talk about until this week is the Pioneer Rays Lightning Headphones. These things, they have become my new favorite. Wait, wait, lightning headphones? Correct. Using lightning for audio? That's crazy. Well, that's what you use on your iPhone 7, right? If you're going to plug headphones in, they are are lightning headphones. (laughs) Up until the iPhone 7, though, that wasn't a thing, but now No, no, no. It's always been a thing. You can use these with any lightning-based iPhone. Yeah, and there have been lightning headphones. They just haven't been all that popular because, you know, because there wasn't... There wasn't a, a direct market, but now, now there certainly is. And these Pioneer Rays, uh, they have become my favorite wired headphones. And instantly, even on the way, the plane ride back from CES, I was just hoping nobody would see them and like ask me about them because they were I was still under NDA on them. But um, they sound great. So here's here's what they've done. When you get Lightning headphones, the headphone itself or the, the cord, but the package has to have a digital to analog converter in it, right? That's just how it works. Even that little, that little dongle you get from Apple has a, a DAC, a digital and analog converter in it. Cause it's got to convert the, the signal to, uh, to analog because your ears are analog. Ray's pioneer took it one step further and they made these headphones intelligent. So uh, they've got a, a DSP, a, dig, a, a chip in them, that does all kinds of cool things. And there's an app to configure the headphones. So uh, one of the things is that they do noise canceling. They've got microphones kind of all over the place in these things. And, uh, and so it can do smart noise canceling and really like, especially on an airplane, totally kills the volume. It's great. Um, It also tunes itself to your ear. You calibrate these headphones, you put them in your ear, you press a button, kind of like what Sonos does with TruePlay, where it tunes to your room. This actually tunes to your ear because it's got a little microphone inside the headphone and uh, and it can it, it, it like I can definitely notice a difference between when it's, you know, in calibrated mode and not calibrated mode. It sounds much better because it's tuned for the way my ear 
sort of uh, channel sound. So that's there. Uh, it's also got auto pause. It knows when you've taken these things out of your ear and it'll pause your uh, your, you know, your, your music or a movie. Like I've been watching movies on my iPad on the, all these plane rides I've been doing. As soon as I take it out, you know, the, the movie stops. I can speak with the flight attendant. I could speak with the flight attendant with these things in by the way, but it just looks rude. They always, they're like always a little hesitant to talk when they see you've got headphones in. So I just take them out and it has the added benefit of pausing the music. And I seem polite, which I try to be. And I speak with them. And then when I put them back in the music or the movie resumes, um, and then it's got, uh, so there's two other things that I, and I'm saving my favorite. It, it, the sound is great, right? Cause that's the most important part, but I am saving my favorite part for last. So there's, there's two other things. Number one is it's got, uh, inline controls for like volume play pause, you know, that kind of thing. And then it's got a separate smart button and the smart button can be configured to do things like launch an app, like Apple music, right. Or, um, and you can do different things. You can double, you can single tap, double tap, or press and hold. So the smart button can do three things. So I've got mine set. One of them launches Apple music. One of them, uh, 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 turns on and off the, the, uh, hear through mode, which is a thing that sort of lets outside sound in. So I could have a conversation, like I said, with flight attendants or whatever. And then, uh, I forget what I've got the other one set to, but, uh, oh, I guess I've got it for mute and unmute of the microphone because you can use these for, for phone calls too. Um, but my favorite part, John, is that it's lightning, right? Which means you can't charge your phone or your iPad while you're listening to something with the headphones right in the cable. They put a lightning port that you can plug your charger into. And, uh, and so it charges everything while you're listening. It's brilliant. I love these things. Pretty good stuff, huh, John? You got to see him at CES briefly. Um, I was going to say, I recall you not showing them. Right. <laughs> Someone not showing them to me. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting because I, um, yeah, so the thing you mentioned, I actually, uh, Still have to get one of these. I think it's out now. But uh, Belkin, if you recall, Belkin was talking about making this adapter that would let you do the audio and the charging at the same time. Um, I think that's out now. I have to get one of those. All right. So hang, hang on. We're, we're having a sound problem here. Uh, the first the first thing I want to say, though, before we move on, is uh, that these things, I believe... I need to find the price here. Yeah. So there's two versions of it. There's the Raise and the Raise Plus and uh and the uh the Razor 9995 and the Razor Plus are 14995 and uh and so now let's figure out what's going on with your sound John give me give me one Well you're like fluttering I thought it would clear up but it's not Yeah I mean, stop just stop for one second Okay so you're hearing just weird stop things for me. one second Yep okay Now is that better Speak I will speak yeah. I'm speaking Call me back. Better. Mm, yeah, you know what? Let me uh, let me pause the show here, and we'll be right back. All right, we have uh, we have resumed, and I think we're we're back in business, right, John? Yeah, I don't know. I I cycled power on my uh, Yamaha. Your, I don't know. On your, that. I, that's actually what I was thinking would need to happen is that the the your audio. I device, was hearing my audio in my ear was sounding terrible, and I guess yeah. you're saying that what was coming to you was sounding terrible yeah. as well. Yeah. Wow. 
Cool. Well, there you go, folks. Another tip. If Re- it's not working, turn it off and on. Again. Reset your audio interface. I, I actually, for the record, I have so uh, free and, you know, this is how it's gone here for years. But uh, I have a Firewire unit. Actually, there's three audio interfaces that I use on this end to do the show. Two of them are Firewire. One is USB. Actually, I guess the Firewire, the, the second Firewire one, the little one's not in use. The USB replaced that. But USB audio sucks. And I, if I don't power cycle my USB audio interface before every podcast, I have some kind of problem. So it's just part of my routine. I just get here. I turn it off. I turn it on. All good. Uh, USB audio is great for a lot of things, but real time stuff. uh, I don't know. Buffers get, I I don't know what it is, but over time it just needs, it just needs to be reset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, so those are the pioneer race. So uh, definitely like really my favorite in-ears, you know, to travel with now. Uh, My only complaint about them. And I think what I saw was retail packaging. So uh, it's possible that I am wrong on this, but my assuming what I got was retail packaging. My only complaint is there is no case included with them. So you, you, when you, you know, once you finally kind of rip everything out of the packaging and, and you've extracted them and you got them going, now you throw away the box because the box is now useless to you. And you have this bundle of wires. So, um, so that's my, that's my only, um, my only complaint is, is that they, uh, they, they have no, no thing. And, uh, but what I did is I put them in um, digital innovations makes the, like the nest earbud case that would, that would actually be too small for these, but they make another one, like a larger one for, um, for something else. I, it's a green one that they make. I'll, I'll put a link to their website, but, but, uh, but the larger nest thing that digital innovations makes is, um, Oh, it's the Nest XL. There it is. So that's what I've put these things in. And it works perfectly because it's it's wide enough to hold kind of the big set of buttons with the volume up and down, play pause, and then their their magic button. So for 13 bucks, you can get a little case. So did you, you mention the equalizer? You know, I didn't. No, it's got it's got a you're right though. Thank you because for Because I was that thinking, up. can you do that? So I'm looking at their page, and when yeah. you mentioned DSP, which is a digital signal processor, which uh audio is a digital signal. I, I was scratching my head and I saw, uh, you know, they show on their app, a uh, equalizer setting. So apparently yeah. and I, I'm, I'm going to assume that it's programming the DSP and not doing it. Correct. On the phone. Correct. So yes. you have the capability that you have a DSP. Why make the phone do it? Yeah. And what's cool about this is you don't necessarily need the app on all of your devices that you're going to use it with. You certainly can put the app on the app is free. You download it from the store, but like all of the settings are stored inside the earphones. So for example, I, I got these one night and they, they didn't, they weren't able to give me access to the app until at some point the next day, I think. And, or maybe even a day later. And, uh, but they said here, like, calibrate these for yourself plug them into my phone which has the app i plugged it in i did the calibration then i unplugged it and then they they remained calibrated uh and the same with smart button settings and all that stuff so um so very very cool stuff all right uh and then uh our final any more questions on those by the way john could you 
Do they have a mic? Could I use them to talk on a phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, 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 there's many microphones in them uh, for for the, like the ambient sound, you know, attenuation and all that stuff. But but there is a a microphone in there specifically built. Actually, there's several built specifically to use for phone calls, so that you get like better, richer sound okay. and that sort of thing. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, instead of getting that charge audio adapter i wonder if i should get these instead. oh yeah because the only time i use my adapter is when i'm using my my headset my iphone 7 right right so maybe i should try it yeah maybe yeah I try these instead I, i've made some phone calls with them i mean it, they it works great it's fantastic yeah nice. and it's cool because you can allow ambient sound in if, doing a phone call with like noise canceling can get a little weird. It, it's like doing a podcast, right? Where you're like totally it, like in the, in the zones. If you're like walking around, it's a little weird not to hear your environment while you're on the phone, but you can flip that and then you're fine. So it's cool stuff. That's why I included mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's old. Cool. Uh, all right. Leon has a, um, has a question. He says in episode 641, a listener, all right, the cool stuff found, I should say. A listener mentioned the Silicon Dust HD Home Run Network TV tuners. There is a great app available for iOS and tvOS that lets you watch HD Home Run on your Apple TV or iOS device. They've just started a beta of a DVR feature, and the app is called Channels at GetChannels.com. Uh, the live TV viewing app has a nice looking guide, gives you some ability to pause and rewind live TV. With the DVR feature, you subscribe for eight bucks a month and it can manage recordings much like a TiVo does. The DVR engine runs on a Mac or a variety of NAS devices. Scheduling and viewing can be done on Apple TV, iOS or the web. It's all very well designed. Thank you so much, Leon. That's uh, I like this. This is this is interesting to me how how much uh, this HD home run thing is really kind of impacting stuff. It links with with Plex and all that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Fun stuff. All right, John, we got a couple of tips to go through. First, I wanted to follow up that battery percentage app that we were talking about in the last show. Um, you and I thought the same thing after that show. Which was? Your, uh, well, you sent me a text message yeah. showing me what I was doing, too. Mm. Yeah, so we put the put our phones on a meter. What? But this, so this battery percentage app reports some information about your charger. And in the last show, John and I had a discussion about whether it was reporting the rate at which it was charging or the rate at which the charger could charge. And it turns out it's the latter, uh, which I found extremely helpful in the last week because a lot of times you get a charger and it says it'll do two amps or it'll do two and a half amps or, you know, it'll do whatever one amp. And it's it, you, you can put it on a meter and test it, but the phone sort of regulates what it's pulling in to, based on how much of a charge is left and all of that stuff. So you don't ever get to to truly see what the battery or what the charger is reporting to your phone as its capabilities, except this app tells you or this app exposes that. So it's called battery percentage. You can get it for free uh, in the app store. And of course, we have a link in the in the show notes. So just wanted to wrap right. that conversation up. Mm. What I found interesting as well is that watching it, so our meters show current, of course, right. that being an aspect of the charging. And it it's interesting to watch it vary. And, and from what I've seen typically, and so it's managed by the phone. So the phone's like, yeah, this is how much I need. And the well, the, as you said, the charger says, yeah, well, here's how much I can give you. Right. But it was interesting. So I was watching my seven charge and it 
some points it was like 1.5, 1.4, which falls within that formula that we came up with. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it was interesting to see. I, I guess it shows that, I mean, in this case, if I had a one amp charger, then it would charge at one amp because that's all it can supply. But it's interesting because even though this one was higher, it was saying, okay, I'll let a little more in. So I guess what, what it points out to is that there, if you can get a higher amperage charging circuit, um, it may benefit you in that you can charge faster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. But it's nice to be able to see the capabilities of your battery. Or or your, your not your phone battery, but like an external battery pack or anything like that. So good, good. Um, all right, David. Speaking of Plex, David has a tip for us. David says, while listening to Mac Geekup six forty three, Brian had a question about NAS versus cloud for various types of data. As you probably know, for sixty bucks a year, you can get unlimited storage on Amazon Drive, and now. Plex will work with Amazon Drive with Plex Cloud. Uh, while I like my Synology NAS, uh, this is a pretty good option for people that don't have one yet. And he's totally right. So, yeah, Plex Cloud lets you store all your movies and everything up in the cloud and then play them streamed to you uh, from there or sync down to your iOS devices or whatever it is you want to do. So, very cool stuff. Thank you, David, for the uh, cool stuff found, the tip, whatever that was. Uh, Elliot, John says, uh, and, and actually to be fair, as soon as the show ended, Alex said this same thing in the chat, in the chat room last, last week, um, we were talking about changing icons in show 644 and, uh, they both found a utility called light icon at uh, freemaxsoft.net and, uh, and that will do it. That will let you change default icons on Sierra. And, and presumably El Capitan too. So thank you uh, guys for, for finding that good stuff. Right, John? Yeah. Well, they're, I, I, you know, I should have thought of it because they also make uh, one of my favorite uh, app cleaners called um, app cleaner. App cleaner. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. I think you got to fiddle with, uh, with sip to. Uh, Is that one where you have to fiddle with sip? <clears throat> Yeah, and that's that come up in a sense. few things that we've mentioned. Yeah. yeah, like like Robin, right? Mentioned that about Switch Res X, right, John? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll bring that one up now. No. Basically, someone wrote in. Yeah, yeah. well, we're bringing yeah, it up ahead. now. Yeah, and, yeah. They, and they yeah. said to us, well, because I think you said in the last episode when we were talking about this that you have to fiddle with SIP in order to get something like that to work because it's, you know, dealing with low-level stuff like right. screen drivers. And he was like, well, no, it it works you know i installed it on the latest os and i didn't have to fiddle with it the truth is somewhere in between in that one of the things that switch res 10 or x i guess it has to be 10 now no x whatever <laughs> they'll let us know yes. um, the only time you have to fiddle with sip when using that product is if you create a custom resolution which is one of the things that switch res uh, will let you do okay now, normally switch res just its ability to open you up to all the potential ones yeah um, should be enough for most people. But if, if you're a crazy person and you want to make your own custom resolution, then you're going to have to disable SIP in order for that to take hold. Right. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right. Good. Also from uh, from 644, listener John wrote in 
and says, I have a different take on your discussion on memory pressure. I think what Apple is pushing us geeks to do is not focus so much on numbers like your hundred megs of real free memory. At some point, they may decide to use all that memory down to the 10 megs, say, for caching or other stuff that can be reached. Uh that can be reallocated. He says, uh, it would be nice to know if pressure can get over a hundred percent. And I suspect no. And, uh, and he goes to, to talk about other things. Uh, yes, you're totally right. Uh, that, that choosing a metric and remaining static with that metric over, over the years is, uh, is a bad thing for us users to do. And I'm glad you, you brought this up specifically with regards to my hundred megs free kind of metric that I use and, and shared with all of you. Uh, that metric a doesn't come out of thin air and B is reevaluated all the time. What I'm looking for is the precursor to a scenario where my system begins to get sluggish. And for me, that is still, even with Sierra and really has been for a long time, it just, it hasn't changed, but, but I do keep kind of reevaluating it as soon as memory gets below, you know, that hundred megs of real free memory. I know that I'm going to have a problem soon. Um, not catastrophic problem, but I know I'm going to have a problem. And that's why I, uh, I still use that metric. As soon as I see that, it's like, all right, I got to quit some apps or just close some tabs and Safari, whatever that is. I need to do something about it so that, um, so that I'm not going to be in a situation where things just start to really grind. So that's, that's really where that comes from. Any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I've found the only time I've had to restart is Safari gets terribly confused. Like I'll get the spinning wheel on multiple pages. Other than that, I've I've really gotten into a situation, um, probably because I got ample memory on both my machines or more than I need, which I think is a good thing. But I've never gotten to the point where the system has like ground to a halt. But I have had situations where Safari has ground to a halt and typically restarted. Yeah. Sometimes I had to restart the machine because it, it was like taking everything else down too. Right. I, I may be wrong in that Safari was the source, but it was showing, you know, a, or I think it even co comes up sometimes to, uh, yeah, this page is being a jerk or unresponsive. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, uh, do, do you want to, do you want to still be here? Or should we close this tab? Sometimes we? it can, it can warn you against it, but sure. I found more often than not. Probably yeah, start. That's right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two things have come up for me in the last 24 hours. Uh, little tips that I want to share. First of all, there is a Facebook Messenger uh, phishing scam going on right now. And uh, and I got a message from my daughter that made it clear that she had fallen prey to this scam. But uh, but what happens is you'll get a message from someone that has fallen prey to it and it'll have a uh, picture of you. And it'll like the message I got from her is Dave, it's you. And it says video Dave Hamilton. And, uh, you know, it said I had 565,000 views, youtube.com. You click on it and it asks you to log into Facebook. Uh, and of course, a, uh, you're not logging into Facebook and B, my daughter doesn't call me Dave. She calls me dude. So that's how I knew <laughs> something wasn't right. Um, dude. that's what she calls me. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's what the, both the kids call me. <laughs> yeah, they found it much easier to call me like not dad in like when they were younger. The, like lots of kids around, nobody, you know. All oh, right, if you get lost, then yeah. you say dad. Well, then all the dads. Right, and and so they actually they started calling me Dave uh, initially, and and that worked. But they're like, yeah, we got to come up with something better. And they're like, we like dude. So dude is what it was. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but but uh, be careful of that. 
this morning after she, you know, she, when we woke up together and, you know, cause she has to go to work when I go to the podcast and we had breakfast and she's like, yeah, I got hacked. I said, yeah. Did you change Facebook password? Yeah. I said, do you use that Facebook password for like everything else? She said, yeah. I said, okay, anything associated with that email address, you have to change to a different password. And, uh, and one of them was her email address. And I thought, okay, you really got to change that because now if they have your email, they can, you know, get in. And her email address is we found sort of an, an uh, accidental security uh, bonus here. So her, the email address that her, her public facing email address, the one that she uses is actually not her email account. Her email account is a Gmail account, but her public facing email is at one of our, our domains forwarded to her Gmail account. So it's just a simple forward. But the nice part about that was even if someone had her email address and the password she used for her email address, it didn't matter because they didn't know how to, they didn't know where to log in to actually get her email, which is interesting. So having a forwarded email address has this additional security sort of layer because people don't know easily where to log in to hack into your email, which, is, which I thought was interesting. So there's some sort of unintentional security using a, uh, a forwarded email address. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, I've seen another one on Facebook, which I'm almost sure. It, 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 it's some text along the lines of, if you've seen a post from me that says something hurtful or or um, you know inappropriate, uh, it wasn't me. There's this hack going around, and I'm like... Uh, and, and please paste this, you know, on your wall to let everybody know that. And I'm like, uh, I think that's just someone who was just being a jerk and is just trying to <laughs> figure out how to take it back. Yeah. Yeah. But then I responded. I'm like, by the way, here are the places on Facebook you can look to see what's been put on your timeline. And also there, there's a part where you can see what apps have been authorized. If yeah. anything, you may have been hacked. I'll agree. Maybe it can happen if you give an app authorization to post to your timeline and you didn't realize that you did then so maybe this, that this will wasn't happen. this was this was that these people had given their their facebook username and password uh, oh it, it, yeah it was a phishing page it was a was phishing meant to page. harvest yeah exactly yeah passwords all right yeah. and then and then the other thing that uh that came up was a friend of mine said his his phone he has apple music and he said his iphone was stuck in the mode of shuffling every song and he handed me his phone. This was a friend actually who wound up doing sound at our fling gig the other night, my buddy Scott. And uh, so I was like, I wanted to help him, but I wouldn't want to help anyway. You know, I mean, it's just it's what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he said, yeah, once you get a song playing, you know, I can skip to the next track manually, but when it gets to the end, it cycles around. So I started looking and looking and looking and looking some more. And I could not find the button in the UI where you set shuffle. And, uh, and so I, I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll mess with it when I get home, man. And he's like, okay. You know, so he, uh, you know, he, he went home, I went home and, uh, here's where that button is. Once you get a song playing in, in the music app on your iPhone and I'm going to do it. I've, I've got some screenshots of this. I'll put up an article, but I'll explain it to you folks. You'll see no matter where you are in the music app, you'll have along the bottom will be, sort of the, 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 the current song that's playing and then like a play pause control. If you tap that, you bring up sort of the full sheet for that song. 
right? And it shows you the album art. It shows you the shuttle controls, where you are in the song. You could scrub around and then you've got, you know, next or previous play pause and forward. And then the volume at the bottom, almost at the bottom and then airplay stuff at the very bottom. And there's three little dots at the bottom and those don't help you. They give you more options, but not the option you want. Here's the deal. This page is scrollable. I had no idea it was scrollable until I started messing with it. And the reason is because it kind of comes up from the bottom like a sheet. So it doesn't feel in a UX way like it's scrollable, but it sure is. And as soon as you scroll, you get to see shuffle and repeat controls. And they're right there. And then you get to see the whole up next thing and all of that. So that's where that is. Frustrating as that might be uh, that it's hidden, but. Figured I'd share that with all of you because I knew they were there somewhere. They have to be, but yeah, sure enough. That's what he was in. He was in single song repeat mode. So it's good stuff. Any thoughts on that, John? No. All right. Then I want to talk about our three sponsors. How's that work for you? Excellent. All right. Uh, the first I want to talk about is blue apron. You know, I talk a lot about my family on this show and, uh, and uh, hopefully it's obvious uh, to you folks that, our family, you know, we're pretty tight, even though we've got teenagers that are 15 and 17 and kind of off doing their own things. And I attribute one of those, one of the things that I attribute uh, to creating that tightness for us is that we eat as many meals together as we possibly can. In fact, I just said that I, I got up, we've scheduled this show, in fact, so that we record right after my daughter goes off to work. And that means I get to eat breakfast with her on Sunday mornings. And that's a really cool thing. Blue Apron makes it really easy and fun to eat really good meals together, either as a family or, you know, with your, your partner, your roommate, whatever it is, they make this super easy and fun, really fun. What you do is you go to blueapron.com slash MGG. And by going to the slash MGG link, you get your first three meals for free. And there are some really tasty meals. They've got two different plans. They've got a two-person plan and a family plan, which is a four-person plan. Uh, and I mean, some of these, we just had these pimento uh, cheese burgers that we made. Like my daughter hates cheeseburgers. She hates hamburgers. She loved these things. Like she's still raving about them yesterday. And we had them like three days ago. Um, upcoming on the, uh, on the, on the, the, the next couple of weeks here, they've got uh Laotian vegetable lob, which uh, looks like a uh, a vegetarian thing. I mean, it looks, the pictures look delicious. They've got a uh, tangelo and honey glazed salmon, uh, a smoky pork burgers on the family plan. They have a Sicilian style bucatini pasta. Oh, it looks fantastic. Blackened chicken and rice. Really, really good stuff. And what's cool is it's all the ingredients show up along with, basically a how to it's like with pictures and everything and you can just all do it together. So not only are you eating the meal together, but you're preparing it, you're cooking it together too. really tasty stuff, really fun stuff. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's just fun to do. So you got to check it out. Go to uh, blueapron.com slash MGG, as I mentioned. And uh, that way they don't, they'll know we sent you and you'll also get your first three meals for free. Second sponsor. Oh, of course, before I move on to our second sponsor, our thanks to blue apron for sponsoring this episode. Our second sponsor is Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. These are some great people and they make some great, great stuff. Uh, 
you know, anytime I need to buy anything to upgrade my Mac, to enhance my Mac, if I need like, a, you know, an external hard drive case or RAM or really just anything to like add on MacSales.com is the first place that I go because a, they have good stuff. They test it all. They know what they're doing. B, they have good prices. So obviously that's really important. I, I feel like quality is better than price is more important than price. But then they've got good prices and then see, and this might even be the most important thing. They back everything they do with great customer service. Like they're obsessed about customer service because they understand that every business is the customer service business. And that's important. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, we mentioned in the last spot that they have this new product, this, this upgrade for the 2016 MacBook Pro that will enable users to add more storage and stuff. It kind of you know fits on the bottom of the, the MacBook Pro. They still don't have a name for it yet, but, uh, but they say they'll have that really, really soon. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it, it, this thing looks cool. It makes your MacBook Pro a little bit thicker, adds all these ports and some storage to it. So you got to check all this out. Go to MacSales.com and, uh, and dig into what these folks are doing over there, because that's the place I go when I need to get something for my Mac. And, uh, I, I highly support the concept of you going and doing that too. Our sincere thanks to MacSales.com for sponsoring this episode. And of course, Barebones Software at Barebones.com. The folks at Barebones make BB Edit. And BB Edit doesn't suck. It hasn't sucked forever. It's always been great. BB Edit's a text editor. I know, I know. It's crazy that I would be this excited about a text editor, but I am. It's good stuff. And now you can get BB edit for free with limited features. But here's the deal for most of you, those limited features are going to be all you need. And it's certainly the way you should test it out. So go to barebones.com, download the trial and see how that works for you. If you need some of the additional features, it's only 50 bucks. And then, you know, you're kind of good. You might not even need those. You can do things like comparing the text of two different documents together. And it shows you line by line and even character by character. What's different in this beautiful graphical interface that just makes sense. It highlights text when you're, when you're doing coding stuff like uh, HTML or, or C or JavaScript, it, it sort of just knows what language you're in and it starts to highlight it, not in a, in an obtrusive or, or brash way, but very subtle ways that give you these visual cues as to where things are in your code and, and how to move around. Really cool stuff. These folks totally know what they're doing and, uh, and they've known what they're doing for a really, really long time. So you got to go check them out. Go to barebones.com, download yourself a copy of BB edit. It is free to download. Start playing with it. If you need more, you buy the, uh, the full featured version. If you don't, then you don't. And I think you get 30 days to test out the new features anyway, or the full features anyway. So you, get, you just got to go, go to barebones.com, download a copy of BB edit, then move on with your day. You can press pause, go download and press unpress pause. And then here you are. Our thanks to the folks at barebones and, uh, the makers of BB edit there for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, we've got plenty of time left, actually. Let's, um, you want to take us, you want to take us to Mike, John? Do I? I think you do. 
All right. Hold on. Let me get Mike here. I know. I'm throwing you out of order on the thing. I've been talking for a while, so we should hear from you. Yeah, I got it. We'll let you sing a song. I wasn't quite ready. I'm going to sing a song, and I have some additional answers here. Great. So, if our friend is listening, there are going to be more options. So, Mike says, I got my mom an iPad for Christmas. That's very nice. Uh, She has no Wi-Fi in her house, and she won't get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I don't know. Don't even. Whose condition that is, but let's move on. Um, I put her on my data plan as a third member with my wife and me. We have Wi-Fi and rarely use any data. We assume she'd easily fit within the data limit. She blew right through it. We increased the plan. She blew right through it. She's now blown through 11 gigs of data. Wow. She needs Uh, Wi-Fi. In a week and a half. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm going to stop. Wait. I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I want to finish. Okay. Go ahead going with this. this is going to turn into, we're going to talk for a while about in this depth here. Let, um, let's, let's answer Mike's specific question. And, and then, then if we want to, then, we'll, get, we'll, then we'll wax poetic. Right, think, there you but, go. um, all right. Is there any utility that will record month to date cell data usage for the iPad? I can get the data from my provider using their app or web, but it's too many clicks for my mom to be able to monitor it. I just want her to be able to look it up and see how much daily monthly she's run up so far that day and month, like a meter in a taxi. All right. So as was pointed out, there's already, so, so yes, yeah, so you got an app or you got the web. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it, I'm just going to mention it as an option here, though it's probably not what you want, is that if you do go on the device and you go into general settings, probably cellular, it's going to show you the amount of data that you used. But then you have to keep looking there. And, and you know, it's not proactive. It's not going to warn you. That's not built into the OS. Um, two so- options I'm going to suggest. One is there's a program that's, that's going to work for everybody, and I'll be using it for ages. And actually, I think when I got it, it was they had a... a get it for free deal, which, uh, but even it's called data man next. I don't know if you use it. I think you use it, Dave, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. And data man next, what it does is exactly what you want. Um, you tell it the billing cycle, the data per month, uh, that's in the plan and it measures both your Wi-Fi and your data usage. And if you separately, correct. Yeah. Yeah. It'll show you like, you know, right now I look at mine and it shows me, you know, so it shows a little Wi-Fi icon for the for that. So uh, just if anybody's curious, uh, so I've used two hundred ninety-two point one megabytes of um, data, data, and six point nine gigs of Wi-Fi. <laughs> sure, uh, in my current billing period. So here's what it's going to show you. So so knowing all these things, how much data and when your billing cycle is, and then starts measuring, and it sits in the background, and then when you start getting, uh, it'll show you the percentage use. So right now it shows. Mine is 10% used. Okay, I'm well within my limit. Sure. My two gig plan. And it says safe because it's looking at how much data you're using and it knows when your cycle ends. And what it does is when things start looking like they're going to spiral out of control, like with your mom here, it's going to start saying, whoa, whoa, if you keep using data at this rate, you're going to blow past your data cap. And that's what it does. So it turns from green to yellow to red and it'll say forecast, you're going to blow through your data cap. Um, to me, this is the best option and it doesn't matter what provider you're with the only thing i'll mention is that you may be able depending on who you get your data from so i also have on my phone so verizon is good about this they have a widget that also shows and will also be proactive about warning me when i'm about to blow past my data but not all data providers offer an ios widget right Um, and some will will text you as you get close to those limits too they do Uh, that with me as well you have to turn on the feature saying yeah 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 um 
Yeah. So that's another option is, is see what your data provider um, gives you. They may offer the feature for yeah. iOS. Um, but now, so now that we're done with that, that's the, those are all the answers that I have. I, I don't think there's, I don't have any others yeah, anywhere no. else, but then I think we're, we're talking philosophically here. I don't even um, know that philosophically is the right word to use. <laughs> I, I mean, we're just going to talk logically about this. So here's the thing. What's around the statement that I highlighted and kind of chuckled at? She has no Wi-Fi and she won't get it. Now, I don't know if that's because she has some concerns about Wi-Fi privacy or the, you know, the razor or if I, I, I guess we need to understand more about the concern with having Wi-Fi in the house. And but I've heard from enough people recently <laughs> that no, that, that are concerned about this, that, that there's some some myths that I either need to understand or dispel or both. Right. But it, it um, I've heard privacy concerns, like if I have Wi-Fi on, then people could hack into my quicken and see how much money I have in the bank. And and. So many like walls would have to fall down for that to actually happen. But yes, it's possible. Use a password on your Wi-Fi. Don't share the password with your neighbors. Don't post it on your mailbox. Uh, you know, like like those those are that's at least a valid to me, a valid concern. It's it's to me also very addressable. But yeah, but it's a concern and you should be aware of that. And that's really smart. Guest network is a, another great way to deal with that so that you're not constantly giving everybody that comes to your house your Wi-Fi password, right? Because so, a guest network generally will sort of um, carve off them from from the rest of your stuff so they can get on the internet, and but not at any of your local stuff. And, yeah. and that's good. So I'm with the privacy aspect. Totally. Um, because I, I would say that data, it, it, it's relatively, it's more difficult, I would say, for Joe random hacker to start intercepting your cell data signal. It's not yeah, impossible. No, but, you know, most people don't have the equipment to even do that sort of thing. So. Sure. Yeah, that's true. But when we get into this thing and I've heard people say <laughs> Wi-Fi is like unhealthy for me or, or Wi-Fi raised. Wait, 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 let me put on my hat. You, you get the your tinfoil hats on. Yes. Both. Yeah. Now, <laughs> on both sides to protect. <laughs> that's right. Now, totally. As I've said many times, I am. I emotionally support all conspiracy theories. doesn't mean I intellectually support them all. There are some that I intellectually support for sure. And I would love to talk with you folks that in a different venue uh, about those sometime. But uh, if you're interested, however, uh, emotionally, I support them all in that I cheer them on. I love conspiracy theories. This one, I'm not even sure I emotionally support. In fact, I think I emotionally protest it because Especially when you're someone that says, I don't want Wi-Fi in my house. Uh, you know, that's that's bad for me. But I'll have this other radio in my cell phone that goes instead of going, say, maybe 30 or 40 feet uh, between the, you know, the base radio and my phone. Now I'm going to have this radio that goes several miles to get to the cell tower. To me, that's just not thinking about the problem. And if you look at this, the the power usage of your Wi-Fi radios versus the power usage of your cell radios, um, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to find because I've looked and I know for certain that you're going to find that your cell radio has to be far more powerful than your Wi-Fi radio because it's going much, much further. And here's the thing. Even if you choose not to have a cell phone in your house for these very same reasons, you should also choose to buy a home in a cell phone dead spot. 
because you're getting these waves coming regardless of whether or not you personally have a phone. This stuff has been proven to be very, very safe. And, uh, and I, and I would love, I, I believe that it is possible that there is a human on the planet that is affected in a, in a noticeable way by Wi-Fi radiation for lack of a better term, because it is radiation. I mean, it's very low level. Um, I believe that because I can feel magnets. I know that sounds weird. I can feel magnets. Um, So I'm sure there's someone out there that can feel Wi-Fi. I would love though. I'm sure it's possible that there's someone that could feel Wi-Fi, but I would love to test that in like a a double blind test because I, I don't know that I've actually encountered someone that can feel Wi-Fi. So that's my, uh, that's my rant about this, John. How do you feel about that? No, I agree with you in that. I can understand the concern because there's frequencies that are used by cell phones um, are, as we've spoken about Wi-Fi, are obviously affected, um, can affect a human in some negative way, but under very different conditions than you find with a cell phone. I guess the only thing I was trying to find, Dave, is what's the power, you know, so we're in like, you know, 2.4 and, and, you know, some other uh, gigahertz frequencies usually for uh, most cell phones these days. I'm, I'm trying to find the power levels that the phone itself uses. Um, it has to be much less because I think I just saw the other day. I actually saw at one of our local stores. I actually saw some guys working on a cell tower and I'm like, yeah, what are you putting up there? A new antenna? He's like, oh, yeah, we're putting up, uh, I think he said like a 10 watt antenna. I'm like, oh, really? That's it? Just 10 watts? Yeah. It surprised me that it was such a, a low power level for the antenna on the tower. So yeah. that's at such a low level, which is way less than like your microwave. So the phone is, uh, I don't know if the phone is on the order of milliwatts, but it, it is, but, but you might get to the point where you're, you're going to be at like, you know, maybe, maybe at one watt, maybe. So a thousand yeah. milliwatts. Yeah. When you look at, you know, like I have a 1200 watt microwave. All right. At 1200 watts at 2.4 gigs, then you got something to worry about. What, yeah. One watt. It, it's um, one watt. It's such a a small fraction of that, that I I doubt you'd even feel it maybe a little bit. Yeah. It it, mostly, it's going to run less than that. It's going to run less than a watt, but I think a one watt is the, is the legal limit here in the U S if that's changed, it certainly hasn't changed by, by an order of magnitude. It, you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. No, people have told me if you have a concern about that. And I remember this discussion coming up when I was doing a lot of RF work, use a Bluetooth headset instead, because then rather than having this, the raw cell phone power blasting through your head, you're going to have the cell phone, you're going to have the 2.4 gigs from the Bluetooth, which is, uh, again, a, a much lower power level. Yeah. So if you really have an, a concern about being exposed to the phone radiation, then. I'll say, so here, here's the thing. Um, there are in the U.S., and I believe this is correct, but I'm only researching it while we're doing this. Uh, in the U.S., at five gigahertz. The there are and this is really actually interesting for choosing channels too. Um, there are it appears as though there are different power limits for channels in the different bands. So channels five gigahertz channels between thirty six and forty eight. It appears and again, I, you know, I've done what thirty seconds of research while I'm talking to someone else, so I could be wrong about this. But uh, it appears as though that limit is two hundred milliwatts. For channels between 52 and 64, again, five gigahertz channels, the power is a thousand milliwatts, one watt. 
for channels 149 to 161, it's 4,000 milliwatts. So four Watts. So yeah, the higher channels uh, are allowed to use more power and then perhaps I'll say theoretically could then, you know, have more speed or longer, longer distance or whatever that is. So I just throw that out there. I'll put, I'll put this, uh, these charts that I found in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question is, I mean, if, if there is, if there is internet service in this house, then adding Wi-Fi may not be a bad thing from a cost standpoint. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to buy a router and you, well, you got to pay a monthly fee for your, well, you know, let me think about that. I mean, if you're paying 50 bucks a month, as long as your internet costs less than right cell usage the the data plan right and it may make sense to complement the internet with some wi-fi's and uh save some coin yeah yeah i don't know man it's uh i like the direction you brought that in though like <laughs> we typically you. don't go to the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory you know yeah well we, we, we even things. brought it back to a more realistic thing so now this makes me well this makes me think that i want to make sure that it all else being equal uh, I want to run my my five gigahertz Wi-Fi on the high band, you know, higher channel numbers, one forty nine to one sixty one, so that I can use you know maximum power on right. That's the uh, that's the thing. <sighs> yeah. All right. Moving on. Jeff has another question that might result in a similar conversation. But Jeff asks, I just finished listening to uh, MDG 644 from last week. I appreciate all your work and learn new things. He says in, uh, and, and you're welcome, Jeff. Thanks for saying that. We really do appreciate it. In fact, I would say in the last week, we've probably gotten more uh, just general thank you emails than, than we typically do. And, and they true. And I've rep- replied to every one of them, of course, uh, but they truly do mean a lot. I mean, it, you know, thank you for sending those thank you emails. It, it, it means a ton to us. Um, and thank you for this, Jeff. He says, uh, in six forty four, you you guys are talking about memory leaks in programs, especially browsers and how to solve this. It seems like you are both predisposed to keeping your computers on 24 seven. I find this to be less beneficial option than turning off your computer each night. I've been in it since 1981. And like you both, I program, build computers, troubleshoot, network, create print pieces, et cetera, et cetera. In my experience, the small time you save not booting up each morning, you will waste with the computer being less responsive than it can be. If you start fresh each day, there's also the issue of using more electrical power and using more of the machine's life as every mechanical object has a finite lifespan. Uh, He says, I value my time and my client's time. If you use your computer to do a task that is critically time sensitive and mission critical or seconds of downtime actually do matter, then of course you should leave your computer on says, but I'm talking, uh, you know, uh, power systems, communication, security, and the like, not email and Facebook. My experience with many different platforms over the decades is that you'll be wasting more time during the day with sluggish response and unexpected behavior than you'll gain by leaving your machine on every night. That's uh. You're not wrong. I mean, we, we said that rebooting your Mac regularly, you know, I reboot once a week, whether I need to or not, uh, because I need to, um, but, uh, but sleeping the machine, uh, sort of mitigates a lot of those power issues. You know, the, I mean, yes, it uses more power when sleeping than when being powered off, but not that much more. 
and your fans are off. All of that mechanical stuff is, is not in use when the computer's asleep. So it's just basically Ram and, and a little trickle to the CPU. So I don't know. And I also like to, to remote access into my, to my Mac and which if you have a Bonjour sleep proxy, like an Apple router or an Apple TV uh, that can wake your Mac up when you try to connect to it. And, and then of course put it back to sleep or it will go back to sleep. So I don't know that, uh, that I, I, I get where you're going with this, Jeff, but I, I think sleeping is for probably for most of us better than, than powering off, <laughs> except you're right. You still got to reboot to get that fresh, clean, you know, system. <laughs> what do you think, John? Um, I'm going to apologize. No, I'm not going to apologize. I'm, I'm going to shake my fist at Jeff. All right. Because to me, it's like throwing in the towel. It's like admitting defeat by re- by doing a fresh start every day. I, 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 I can understand the reasoning behind it, but I disagree with it. And like Dave, um, the way that I run my machines and the way I suggest most people should is you do what you said. You, when you're not using it, you put it to sleep. It puts it in a very low power mode. Yeah. So, um, so, so I think that highly reduces the, if it's on all the time thing. And I agree. Yes. Things have a lifespan, but in sleep mode, they're almost not running, you know, in the, almost, it, it's, yeah. it's drawing way less power and way less resources um, on the order of sometimes several orders of magnitude. It could be drawing a hundredth, Last I checked, of how much power it draws versus when it's on. So, right. um, and plus, waking from sleep, even if you're reading RAM from the disk with an SSD, is almost instantaneous. Whereas, I, I would say I like the benefit of being able to wake up the machine and be able to get work done versus having to wait for it to boot up. That yeah. takes many times longer. So. At least for the way I like to work, I like the machine to wake up. And, and, and like you said, Dave, if you're doing remote access, as long as the machine can support wake on LAN, yeah. um, you have it available to you to, um, you know, to log into if you, if you need to, if it's in, even if it is sleeping. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, but, but if, uh, but it sounds like, you know, doing the IT thing, the, that equation has, uh, has worked for him. So yeah. uh, perhaps in, in some environments it would make sense to freshly power things on every time. Well, and, it, and there are many people our our esteemed John Martellero here at, uh, at, at the Mac observer being one of them that says even rebooting once a week is considered throwing in the towel. Like he, he values I agree his with him. uptime. I, yeah. I want to see uptime of months. Dude. <laughs> okay. So well, I'm th- looking at my mini and it says seven days. So what am I talking about here? And actually, hold on, let me look at my, uh, up oh, and my MacBook Pro is at two days. Okay, I'll I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Here's the thing. Like, I I get it from a from a, being a Unix guy for forever. Uh, I get the whole concept of of uptime, but and and well, let me look. Uh, the server upon which Mac Observer runs has an uptime of three hundred ninety seven days. Whoa! Yeah, has so, it been rebooted in a over a year? Correct. Yeah, oh, that's pretty. I know. What, what, what Unixy thing is it running? Uh, what are we? It's not OS 10, is it? No, 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 like Ubuntu or it's a it's a version of CentOS uh, that we've got on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. So it's Linux. Yeah, um, but uh, we run that machine very differently than I run my 
computer at, at, at home or in the office or in the studio, we run, you know, the same, I don't know, let's say there's, there's let's say there's 10 apps running on it, right? Very, various different servers, web server, obviously, a couple of proxies, a database server, you know, maybe it's not even 10, but it's probably 10 when you, you know, you look at all the little things or whatever. Uh, this, the, the streaming server that we use for MacGeekUp.com slash stream so that everybody can, can uh, join us in the chat room here, right? That runs on that machine. So various things, but they all just stay running. I'm not like if I, I use probably a hundred different apps on my Mac throughout the week and they don't always stay running. I launch it. I quit it, you know, it, it various different things. And, and it, it's, you probably use a hundred too. And you look at, think about all the little menu bar items and all the stuff that you've got going. Each of those is a separate little app. Some of those stay running forever. Like the things do on, on Medusa, our, our, our current uh, machine that TMO runs on. But um, a lot of these things you're quitting and you're managing Ram very differently on your desktop interactive machine. And I would even say that this is true for an interactive Linux desktop, right? Not a server. So a server being up for, you know, long periods of time makes total sense. And it would also make sense for your Mac mini if you're running that as a server, or, you know, whatever. But for a desktop interactive machine, it doesn't make sense. And we've all seen it, that things get really sluggish and it's just worth rebooting. And that's not throwing in the towel. It's just the way it works. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Also, I'm not just changing, browsing. I'm not changing my ways. Right. No, I know. It's good. That's good. Hey, I want to, I do want to cycle back to the, con we'll, we'll move on. We've got time to do more, but uh, I want to cycle back to the conversation we had about uh, Mike and the uh, cell phone data or the, uh, the data usage with his mom uh, as it's someone here in the chat room. Uh, and I can't see who it was anyway uh, at MacGeekUp.com slash stream mentioned all of the cell plans, all of the cell providers, the four major ones, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T, and Verizon here in the U.S., announced unlimited data plans. I mean, Sprint and T-Mobile already had them. Verizon announced first. AT&T followed almost immediately. So now you can get unlimited data for, it's about 100 bucks a month in general for the first device. And then to get four devices on like a family-type plan, it's about 180 bucks, um, maybe 160, depending on which provider you use. In fact, Jeff Gamut put together an awesome little comparison on a chart and stuff that we'll uh, we'll put in the show notes. But uh, but that actually might be the answer for our friend Mike here is to just get an unlimited data plan for that mm -hmm. iPad, and then and then you're good. And you can get uh, I think they they all do start to cap out at speeds. They start throttling. AT&T and Verizon start the earliest at 22 gigs in a month, Sprint at 23 and T-Mobile at the top of 28. But they say that that's not an automatic throttle. That's only if you've A, passed the limit and B, are, you know, actively in an area where there's congestion. They will throttle back those people that have passed the limit. So, so there you go. That's, uh, we'll just, you know, we'll throw that out there. Good stuff, right, John? Yeah? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Whatever you say, boss. Whatever you say. That's right. All right. Um, Andrew, let's talk about this, Andrew, because Andrew has an interesting little question here. He says, I'm in the process of trying to breathe new life into my 2009 15-inch MacBook Pro and would like your ideas on a replacement Wi-Fi for either the Express Card port or a USB, a USB version. 
I hauled this old laptop out since my children want to use a computer. And upon booting it up, I found that I could not connect to Wi-Fi. After taking it in for diagnosis, I was, uh, it was conveyed that my Wi-Fi is broken and that there are no parts since the laptop is too old. Uh, everything else works as uh, very well, including Ethernet. And I'm going to replace the old rotational drive with an SSD and upgrade the RAM from four to eight and even possibly 16. My dilemma comes in choosing the correct replacement Wi-Fi. What do you think? So that Mac supports up to USB two and not USB three, but USB is still probably going to be your best bet for a Wi-Fi add-on, at least as far as I think. John, you might disagree, and I, I like that. Um, so I, I hate to recommend something I've never used, but I haven't used any of the kind of current USB Wi-Fi adapters out there. The good news is they seem to exist on Amazon all for about 20 bucks or less. So, you know, there's some experimentation that, that's that's allowed here. And uh, I just searched for USB Wi-Fi on Amazon and then looked to make sure that uh, Mac was, you know, Mac or OS 10 or Mac OS or something was supported in the in the description. And then I looked at reviews and I found a couple of them, um, you know, like I said, for 15 bucks, you can get one that'll do 802.11 AC. You won't necessarily get those full speeds because your USB caps out at like 480 megabits a second. And some of these will go up to 833, but a lot of them actually just top out at 433. They've got one stream of, of five gigahertz. And you know what? That's, I mean, that's going to be probably plenty. Uh, they, I would say, make sure, obviously make sure you get one that works with the Mac, but also make sure you get one that's dual band that does either two point, both 2.4 and five gigahertz. It won't do them simultaneously, but um, just getting something, but, uh, but yeah, we'll put some links in the show notes to the, uh, to the things that I found, but. I, I think that's probably the, the simplest way. Some of these are really small. Like you plug it in and there's just a little antenna that sticks up basically right from your USB port. So they're pretty, pretty tiny and efficient space wise. So that, I think that's what I would go with. What about you, John? Um, it's worth mentioning though, his, this specific machine is too old, but there is a company that I ran across a, a while ago. And actually I'm just outside of the range of, machines they make this for but it's a company called quicker tech okay and they actually make a number of 802.11ac wi-fi cards that yep. are meant to replace the ones that are already in certain macs and it looks like it's mostly macbook airs and then i think i see some core two duos and some retinas okay of various vintages some going all the way back to uh oh okay Cool. Including some really old ones. Um, that's an option. You know what surprised me, though, is so I was looking, Dave, and for example, some of the major network vendors, like, um, you know, I was just searching here, and I'm wondering if this would be an option, but like Netgear. I came up to, to Netgear, and it looks like they have a whole bunch of USB-based Wi-Fi adapters, but looking through all, of they, all they offer, none of them seem to explicitly state that they have Mac support. They say, oh, now it's Windows. So I'm wondering if you got a third party from it. Well, another suggestion would be, you know, of all the major yeah. makers of network equipment, Netgear, of course, being one, yep. see if they make a USB adapter. Netgear, Netgear clearly does. They just don't say it works with a Mac. I'm wondering if you plugged one in. If it, it might would, just work. Yeah. Is that there, there, I, as far as I can tell, and I've had this happen. So I actually have a USB based, uh, the bear extender. That's a yeah. USB based Wi-Fi adapter. And when I plug it in, an interface comes up in my network saying, oh yeah, this is a uh, 
USB uh, 802.11 uh, network interface controller. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So at a very low level, it recognizes that there's something that can do Wi-Fi. Um, I thought about the bare extender, but it it's kind of a pain in the neck for um, a, sort of a permanent solution because it it it's this extra little, it's not that little, it's this extra dongle that sort of has to sit next to your MacBook Pro as opposed to just something you pop in the USB port and you're done and you could like, you could move yeah. around with these other ones. And also yeah, bare extenders support has kind of been weird, right? Or are they back in our good um, graces again? I am, I am, they released, uh, they still call it a beta, but I, yeah. So, so they were, the problem with a lot of these guys that offer the USB based or any Wi-Fi things yeah. that aren't, built in is that a lot of times whoever they're working with their uh their wife their driver support starts that's the problem lacking yeah there was one that i really liked a while ago and i think the company doesn't exist anymore it was called the Wi Fire, and it was really good and it was like actually gave you a power boost and stuff and then they kind of went away yeah. but at least in the case of bear extender their two antenna i think it's the bear extender turbo it does work under sierra okay. on my macbook pro so, right, so cool. they are so either they or the the person that makes the driver. Yeah. Uh, so that may be an option, yeah. but, but with any of these guys, I think, but they also include driver software, which gives you additional functionality beyond just the computer seeing it as something that can offer right. Wi-Fi. Right. It seems like from the reviews I read about these, you know, kind of single stream ones on Amazon that, that OS 10 just has built in support for it. You don't even need drivers, but I could be wrong about that. Like I said, I'm definitely, you know, out on this limb of recommending something that I've never personally tried. So your mileage may vary. All right. Yeah. Well, returns yeah. are usually good with. Yeah, exactly. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon's so good with returns, man. I ordered a drum head on Wednesday. Actually, I ordered two. One of them arrived on Friday as planned. And the other one said, like, check, I checked the tracking when it didn't arrive. And it says it was like it hasn't made it to the UPS facility yet. And so I just emailed Amazon because they're usually really good when something's late. They give me an extra month of prime. So, you know, if I just I mean, it's it's like a 10 second email. And if I do that 10 seconds, you know, enough, I, I get, you know, a year's worth of prime for free or whatever. And they're really good about it. And they they wrote me back. They're like, yeah, we're really sorry. They did. They extended the, the month of prime. And they said, uh, we're just going to ship you another one. And so that'll be here Monday. But I'm sure the other one will show up. So I get, you know, two base drum heads. They're great with customer service is really what I'm trying to say. So yep. they get it. And the last thing, so yeah. um yeah. so I'll thank our, our friend Brian in the chat room, but he says he has two gigabit TP link USB adapters and they come with software. So But that that's so, Ethernet, right? I, well, I think just I think said, the chat room is talking about Ethernet, not uh not Wi Fi. So just catch up with that because it, because the one that, that Andy mentioned in the chat room too, is an ethernet adapter. So just, right. just be aware that there's two different conversations happening simultaneously, which happens all the time in our chat room, folks. It's, it's, it's actually great. There's like this ancillary discussion that sometimes is, is directly related to what we're talking about here. And other times is just sort of a spinoff of it. And other times has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. So it's great. So yes. All right. Uh, moving Onward, uh, Patrick asks, uh, he says, I'm having an interesting effect with a PDF document. He says, uh, I took a, a PDF that I had to fill out in a form and I copied it to the desktop. Quick look 
will not show the data that I filled out in the field, such as name and address, etc. If the document was saved as a PDF. But if I take the same document and save it as a JPEG, Quick Look will show the data in those fields. Uh, and he sent us an example. He says, is my finder corrupted? Is it perturbed? Is it upset? What's wrong? And uh, your your finder is fine. So it, Apple's PDF rendering engine is not complete. Uh, you may not even see all the data in those fields when you open it in preview. You probably will. But there are even some fields that won't appear in preview. And I've seen this before. Uh, and it's the reason I keep Acrobat Reader on my Mac, because uh, sometimes, you know, somebody will say, oh, yeah, I signed that contract or whatever, you know, in a, with a PDF. And you look at it because I, you know, I use preview because it's way faster than Acrobat Reader. But I think some of those uh, speed, you know, enhancements in Apple's own PDF rendering rendering engine skip some of the functionality that that Acrobat has. And so this is not surprising at all. And I think Quick Look even skips some of the ones that you'll even get in preview. So if you're not seeing what you want in Quick Look or in preview with a PDF, then yeah, uh, just get Acrobat Reader. It's free. Don't let it become your default PDF reader unless you really want that. But my advice is stick with preview and then just use Acrobat Reader when you have to, you know, right click and choose open with or however else you want to do it. So that's my uh, that's my advice on that. Any thoughts on that, John? Have you experienced the same thing? Um, not really. I, I yeah, I understand it. They have a different rendering engine, and all yeah. That, and sometimes things go awry, but I've I've never uh, yep. never had the displeasure of of running into that. <laughs> and just to uh, just to wrap things up here, at least our Wi-Fi thing. Um, I, I did find several adapters here from TP Link that are USB Wi-Fi adapters. Oh, and at okay. Least one of them advertise uh i clicked on a couple and they they claim os 10 support though they um don't so i I didn't see one that explicitly said it supported sierra so Mm. they may not but no they have a boatload of them and and at least one or two or three that i clicked on said oh yeah they work for the mac too you may have okay cool driver so uh, tp link for both ethernet and sure usb wi-fi for the mac look to be a company to explore Cool stuff. Well, that's the end of our cool stuff for this week, John. Fun, but, you know, all good that's, things. Well, also sounds like it's the end of the episode. It is the end of the episode, yeah. I think that's as, oh, wow. that's as far as we can take it. Well, 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 what are we going to do? Well, next week, I was thinking, actually, we should talk. Uh, we're going to record a little bit early next week. We'll talk about the schedule because I'm, I'm going to be in uh, Florida with Lisa and the kids. But... Uh, uh, I want to talk about because we're heading into the season of lightning strikes and all of that, at least here in, in North America. So I want to talk about buying a UPS, what it takes, what you should look for, how you should pick a UPS to buy, because even once you decide to get one, you know, you see what's the difference between watts and volt amps. And then it, you just kind of stop. Don't stop. We will help you. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. I won't say it's a deep dive because there's probably not enough to do a deep dive on that. But uh but we'll, it'll be a uh, maybe it'll be a deep dive segment, not a whole deep dive episode. So fun stuff, John. Uh, you know what? I do want to uh, do one thing while the band is playing here, and that is that I want to read a review that we got because you can go to macgeekgab.com/itunes and leave us a review. 
And it can be as simple as what Jim Fantasia from the U.S. wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. He says, one of the great Mac-centric podcasts, a must-be in your tool chest of tech-related shows, especially for the Apple ecosystem. So thank you so much, Jim. Uh, Not only do we like seeing your review, but... All of your reviews really, really help us. So go ahead and and, uh, visit MacGeekUp.com slash iTunes, and that will link you as close as we can link you to where you can leave a review. We can't get you right there because there's no direct link to that. But uh, but that'll get you really, really close. We promise. So that's uh, that's that. And then uh, we have our new MacGeekUp Premium which is up and running. Most of you are migrated over. Anybody who is renewing will be migrated over. Uh, The only people that haven't been migrated are folks that aren't yet due to renew. Like if you're due to renew in late March or April, um, you're still being migrated, but otherwise uh, that will all happen. For those of you that want to sign up or find out more about premium, visit uh, macgeekab.com slash premium, and that will bring you right there. You get to check out uh, the ways that you can you can contribute directly to us. Anybody who is active and contributing there gets access to our premium at MacGeekUp.com email address, which is uh, a priority one for you. We do prioritize that. Some weeks we can't get through all the questions. I think this might have been one of those weeks where we couldn't get through quite everything yet. We will get to the rest of the questions, but the premium stuff we got to multiple times throughout the week because that's what we do. You help us keep the lights on. We do everything we can for you. So thank you to everybody that's a premium supporter. In this episode, I think we had three questions from premium supporters. Robin, John, and Mike. So uh, so thank you to all of you uh, for doing what you do and helping us do what we do. For the rest of you, and you are all, of course, welcome, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the email address for you to use. Um... Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. This time I'll listen to what you have to say, Dave. And that's feedback at MacGeekab.com. I meant feedback at MacGeekab.com. That is the place for all of you uh, non-premium listeners to send questions, comments, tips, cool stuff found. As you can see, we definitely uh, address as many of those as we can that come in, really generally all of them. And, uh, and then certainly they make up a good portion of the show, too. I want to thank... The folks at CashFly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for providing all the bandwidth to get from us to you. And of course, I want to thank all of our sponsors. Of course, the sponsors for this episode, Blue Apron at blueapron.com slash MGG, where you get your first three meals for free. Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. Barebones Software at barebones.com. And then, of course, FatCatSoftware.com slash MGG. SmileSoftware.com slash Geek. GoDaddy at GoDaddy.com where MGG30 saves you 30%. But I want to thank you for listening because we have a lot of fun together and we couldn't do this without you. So seriously, thank you. What do you have to say, John? I have not one, not two, not three, but three things to say to you, Dave. And that's don't get Caught. Don't, don't get caught. Get caught. Don't get caught. Get caught.
Maynard.